0: Students podcast. My name is JT Stead and I'm your host. I'm also the student and outreach pastor here at Redeemer Church. And what you're about to listen to was a sermon that was preached at our Wednesday night gathering from 6:30 to 8:30 with our students. So I hope that the sermon is encouraging and a blessing to you today. Thanks for listening. Alright. You guys ready? Let's do this. Let's do this. Have you got your Bibles? open up to uh, Second Thessalonians, Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians chapter 1, if you have a gospel card or the gospel summary, I have it right here, there's, there's a bunch up there, it's the verse under point number 4, we're going to be looking at point number 4 tonight, as we've been going through this gospel presentation, you guys remember points 1, 2, and 3, no? Come on, we got to know this stuff, all right? Yeah, you, Allison, you know it? Oh. oh, no, <laughs> you're just saying hi. All right, that's cool. All right, point number one of the gospel. What is the gospel? God created and owns all things. Starts with God, right? And God has expectations. God has expectations for those he created. Because like a painter, you guys, have you guys seen a painting before? Right? So a painting has a painter, and the painter has rights over the painting. Does <laughs> that make sense? <laughs> a painter has rights over his own painting, right? And so God, in the same way, he created us, and he owns us, and he has expectations for how we should live for him. But we have failed to meet God's expectations, which is called sin. And Than taught on that two weeks ago. Remember, you guys went to korea or the olympics and he had the you know the whole illustration Yep. well tonight we're going to be looking at the consequence of sin which is eternal judgment called hell last monday i was on my way to church and it was early in the morning i was driving my car and i was listening to the autobiography of frederick Douglass. amazing book Maybe you'll have to read it someday. He is an abolitionist. None of you care about that, but I don't know why I'm telling you that. All right? So I'm driving, and I'm not really paying attention. I am, but if I'm listening to something, ask Caitlin. It means that I'm driving under the speed limit because I don't drive fast. I drive like a grandpa all right? I, I'm kind of like one of those, I just like to enjoy the ride, you know? I'm looking around, but this time I'm, I'm focused, right? And in a space about five seconds time, I'm driving, you know, past the gum factory. You guys know where that is? Sometimes you'll smell the gum. Yeah, I'm driving right there, and all of a sudden I look up and I see a car in my lane swerving into oncoming traffic. And so in like five seconds, I move over, but I lose control of the ice, and I crash my car against another guy who caused the whole thing, and hopefully his insurance will pay me for totaling my car, and I had to get staples in my head. So this was last Wednesday. I still got them in there, and if you know how to take them out, maybe we could try to do that tonight. Um, It'd be pretty cool. Or if your mom's a nurse or doctor or your dad, let me know, and uh, I actually need to get them pulled out, so let me know after the service if we could do that. I went to the hospital. And I was fine. There wasn't much that I was worried about. But as I sat there, I began to look around. I don't know if you've ever been in the emergency room. It's not a fun place. It's really sad. It's not a place of joy, comfort, or warmth. And I'm actually there looking on my phone, looking for a new car already. I'm like trying to find one. And the lights are dim, people are stressed, and all of a sudden I just started to look around. I had this one guy was cussing out his wife over here. Other guy yelling at his son. Older lady groaning in pain. People sick, hurt, and agony waiting to get relief. Waiting to hear the doctor and the nurse to call their name so that they could go get relief, Right? I was there for like four hours. It was was crazy. But this was a little picture, just a little glimpse. I think the Lord let me go through this. Just a little picture of what hell is like. Sitting in a waiting room, except in hell, there's no call for a doctor or nurse to help or give relief. It's eternal, conscious torment. And so tonight I want to talk to you about hell because God talks about hell, okay? And so this is point number four. This is the consequence for breaking God's law. This is the consequence for sin, and it's hell. And look at 2 Thessalonians 1, verses 7 through 9. It says this, When the Lord Jesus is revealed in a second coming from heaven, with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God, and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, They will suffer, these people, these sinners, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. And so tonight we're going to learn a few truths about hell. I know some of you got questions already. And so we're going to ask some basic questions and my points are going to be the answers, okay? So the first question that we're going to ask is, does the Bible even teach about hell? And the first point is this. Almost all the teaching on hell comes from Jesus. Jesus. Almost all the teaching on hell comes from Jesus in the Bible. He actually talked more about hell than he did heaven. Did you know that? It was on his lips all the time. Why? Why did Jesus talk about it all the time? Because he wanted to warn sinners of what they deserved for their sin. He cared for them. And he wanted to warn them and show them just how merciful and gracious and loving he is to save them if they would recognize him as their savior. Now, I know all of you have heard of the place called hell. The word hell is used in everyday language by people. And you may hear it as some sometimes the people uh, saying it as a curse word, like uh, that hurt like hell or war is hell or you kind of people using it flippantly a little bit or uh, or like an emergency room, that is hell on earth. You know, some people will say that. You'll, they'll use the language hell. You guys follow me, right? People kind of use it in everyday language. See, usually people use the word hell in a lighthearted, joking way. They minimize it. Why? Why do you think that people minimize hell? Well, I believe it's the same reason why we kind of minimize the very things that we're afraid of, Right? We kind of make fun of it or or try to talk lightly about it um, in order to really not think about it. But you should think about it. It should be something that frightens you. You should be warned about this literal place called hell. Oh, but Pastor JT, I have a question. Our world says we shouldn't think about negative things. And I don't want that negativity to bother me. I don't even want to think about it. I just, want to, I just want to think positively I don't want to think about sin I don't want to think about hell it's just too much for me but is this wise advice is this what wise thinking to just not think about the things that we're afraid of is it wise to ignore hard topics just because they're hard to hear it seems to me that that's probably more dangerous and even life-threatening I'll use a couple examples, one funny and one serious. Let's say Caitlin and I had a dog named Fifi, the Great Dane. Fifi. <laughs> now, we have a bunch of students coming over and we're getting our house cleaned and ready when Fifi, the Great Dane, decides to relieve itself on the carpet. Makes a great mess. The Great Dane, Fifi. We got people coming over and Caitlin goes to clean it up. But I say, Caitlin, Caitlin. No, 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 no. We cannot think about that negativity right now. We, I don't want you to deal with it. Just focus on everything else. Think positively. Don't clean up the mess. But it reeks and someone's going to step in it. Caitlin, don't have such negative thoughts. Don't think about that. No, we have to deal with the mess. The negative, the problem, you can't ignore it. Otherwise, some poor middle schooler is going to slip and fall in it. <laughs> now it's a bigger problem. More serious example. You go to the doctor's office. You're not feeling well. The doctor begins to diagnose you. You do a bunch of tests. You're having terrible headaches, and you kind of realize the doctor tells you you have a cancerous tumor in your brain. You're going to die. And if we don't deal with it right now, It will cause excruciating pain. It will leave you in despair and it will kill you. Doctor, haven't you heard the wisdom of the world? I don't want to think about those negative things. Tell me something positive, right? It's not a big deal. I'm just going to sweep it under the rug. No, you're like, okay, when can we schedule the next thing, right? Because this is serious. This is why we have to think about things like sin and hell. Because if we put it off, when it is true, <laughs> something to fall into the hands of the living God to face that, and I want you to be warned, I want you to be warned, and God does too, in his love, dear friends, just as it is loving for a doctor to tell his patient the truth about their cancer and its result, death, so it is with our dear Savior. That out of love for you, he wants to warn you about hell. And so, almost all of the Bible's teaching comes on hell comes from Jesus. That's point number one. But why does there have to be consequences for sin? You may ask. Why does God have to punish us? Point number two. God is just and must punish sin. God is just and must punish sin. See, why God can't just sweep it under the rug or just forgive everyone is because God is not only loving, he's also just. He's righteous. He's holy, which means in his essence, in his being, he is lovingly just. Isaiah thirty eighteen says, for the Lord is a God of justice. Okay? He is a judge. Think of a judge, right? And he can never be bribed. And he can never not give a just verdict upon a guilty party. He can't let the guilty go unpunished. And I think you understand this. I think you understand this. Let me give you a cultural example. This last summer, there was a lot of protests over the wrongful death of Mr. George Floyd. Everyone in the country sees that as being wrong and that those police officers should be punished for their crimes justly, right? Derek Chauvin was the police officer. Now, let's just picture Derek was in the courtroom, and the judge says to him, and he's about to be sentenced, but the judge looks him in the eyes and says, you know what, Derek? I believe you have made a sincere apology. People make mistakes all the time, and I'm just going to let you go scot-free. Would that judge be a just judge? No, that's right. A just judge would give a punishment that fits the crime. He would be guilty. He would make sure Derek Chauvin would be punished with a punishment that fits the crime. And God is the perfect just being. He's always just. He is never unjust. He is the standard of righteousness. He is the standard of justice. Therefore, in his law, he has said, "We must love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love our neighbor as ourselves." And he says in Matthew 5:48, "In order to be with God, we must be perfect as our heavenly Father is perfect." Yet yeah, we have sinned. We are guilty before God. We've failed. Than talked about that two weeks ago. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Therefore, a just God must punish sin. Now you might say, okay? But seriously, just one little sin? Just one, just one little sin? <laughs> Is enough for me to be sent to hell Forever? probably thought that. Is that really fair? That doesn't seem just. That seems like God is cruel. Answer. Hell is eternal. Hell is eternal. It's an eternal punishment because our sin is against God who is eternal. Hell is eternal because our sin is against God who is eternal. Therefore, Hell is a just punishment, even one sin. When we sin, we are sinning against an eternal God. Therefore, the punishment is eternal. Hell is a just punishment for sin. Our sin is against a living, infinite, eternal God. And because the person I'm sinning against is eternal, thus the punishment is eternal. I've said that. You get it, right? Now, let me put it in an illustration. This is why the punishment is so severe. Why is, it, why is the punishment so severe? Why is hell the right punishment? I think you understand this. That when you offend someone of higher status, there's greater punishment. Than kind of used an illustration for this, but I'm going to use a different one. Let's just say... Let me pick a kid. Sebastian. All right. Let's just say Sebastian got into a fist fight with a sibling. You'd probably get grounded. Maybe you'd get some things taken away, right? At home, your parents would punish you, right? And that would be your punishment. You get grounded, punished. Now, what if Sebastian got in a fist fight with a random kid, one of his neighbors? Would the punishment maybe be a little bit greater, Sebastian? Maybe a little bit. Yeah, you maybe have to restore, pay the money, pay the kids medical bills, you know, because Sebastian's a legit martial artist, you know, and, uh, you know, so he's going to have to pay his medical bills. He might have to do some community service. You're definitely going to have to make it up to him. And so you're definitely going to be grounded for much longer, let's just say, right? More punishment. Now, what if you lashed out at a teacher at school? How much... Worse would your punishment be? You got in a fist fight with a teacher, let's just say. <laughs> Expelled, you know, suspended. Now you're grounded for a whole year. Greater punishment, right? Now you're definitely doing community service. Now, what if Sebastian was jaywalking, police officer pulled him over, and he started beating up the police officer? <laughs> that I don't recommend that. Greater punishment, right? Greater punishment. prison. Maybe juvie, actually, yeah, probably juvie. You go to court, definitely paying more fines. What if you attack the president? You'd probably be shot before you even got there, right? You'd... See, the higher the status of the person in authority, the greater the punishment. God is infinite, He's eternal. He's the greatest. He's the first and greatest being. He's your creator. He's your owner. And when you sin, you sin against him. And thus the punishment of hell is just. And God cannot be cruel because cruelty involves inflicting a punishment that is more severe or harsh than the crime. And God cannot do that because God is good. He's just. It would be against his character. He would not be God then. This is why we take sin seriously, student. Why? Because Jesus takes sin seriously. Look at Mark 9, 44 through 49. I'm just going to read it for you. This is what Jesus says. He said, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better that you enter life crippled than with two hands to go into hell, to unquenchable fire, And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than with two feet to be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into hell, where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched, for everyone will be salted with fire. Now, Jesus isn't advocating self-harm. What he's saying is we are to take drastic measures against our sin. Why? There would be no hell if there were no sin, but because there is sin, there's hell and sin is serious. And the wages of sin is death. And this verse then answers the question. What is hell like? It's the next point. Hell is eternal conscious torment. It's eternal. It's forever. It never ends It's conscious, which means you are aware of what is going on. You're conscious of where you are at. And it's torment. See, Jesus uses symbolic language. Follow me with this. He uses symbolic language like unquenchable fire or a place where the worm never dies. Or in Revelation 21, he calls hell a lake of fire. Revelation fourteen eleven, a place where the smoke billows day and night. Revelation twenty ten. Hell is not run by Satan, it was made to punish Satan. Did you know that? Hell is not Satan's domain. Hell was made for Satan to be punished forever and ever. And this is what it says. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were, and they were tormented day and night forever and ever. Second Peter 2 4, it's a place of gloomy darkness. That's what hell is like. It's a place where sinners are conscious of the wrath of God, and it's devoid of all good. Now, if Jesus uses symbolic language to talk about how horrific hell is, how much do you think the reality of hell is? It's far worse. So lastly... Who then goes to hell? Last point. Hell is for those who do not repent of their sin and believe the gospel. That's why we're doing this series. Hell is for those who do not repent of their sin and believe the gospel. In verse 7 through 9 of Second Thessalonians, Paul says that the judgment of God is upon those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel. Now, this doesn't mean that people are ignorant of God. Paul says in Romans 1 that all people know God. They just suppress the truth. They choose their sin. They love the darkness, Jesus says. In other words, hell is the punishment, the just punishment for those who reject God, who reject Christ, who love their sin and do not turn from their sin, who do not confess their sin, who do not admit their sin, who think that they're good and that their parents' faith is enough to save them. It's for those who believe that their good works can save them. Those who go to hell go there because they love their sin and they want nothing to do with God. because they refuse to repent and acknowledge their sin and turn to Jesus as their savior. And if you are realizing tonight that you have not received forgiveness and you are heading for hell right now, tonight God promises you salvation in Jesus Christ. You can be forgiven. You can escape hell. How? How? Only through Jesus. For when you realize just how horrible, scary, and dark hell is, then you will start to realize, wow, I deserve that. But God in his grace and mercy has made a way for me to be saved. And God was so loving that he sent a savior. And what's amazing about God's love is that Jesus takes our place on the cross. He takes our sin and he satisfies the wrath of God that we deserve. The hell that you and I deserve for our sin was poured out upon Jesus in a three hour notice, the full weight of God's wrath upon him instead of sinners, Jesus defeated sin, death and hell, and now he offers eternal life to those who repent, who turn from their sin and believe in him. Tonight you have a choice to do that. Cuz just like me, you never know when you may be driving down the road and in a second's notice God is you're now standing before God to be judged. You're going to be judged by his law. And guess what? You're going to be found guilty unless, unless the blood of Jesus Christ covers you. Well, how does the blood of Jesus Christ cover me? By trusting in him, by confessing that Jesus is Lord with our lips and with our heart, believing that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. This is the gospel, this is the good news that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. May tonight be the night that you confess and believe in Jesus Christ. Father God, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for these students. I pray that we would think about our sin and hell, but not just to sit in it, that we would also think upon your grace and your love. And I pray that you would save students here. I got saved in eighth grade, Lord. That's when you opened my eyes and my heart to see that I was heading for hell. I loved my sin. And you had to shake me and awaken me by your Holy Spirit. And I pray you would do that for these students here tonight. And I pray for the Christians here. I pray that the doctrine of hell would motivate them to evangelize. Because their friends that don't know you will die and go there. I pray that you would give us a love for people to share the greatest news. The news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that they may be saved and experience a relationship with you forever and ever. In heaven. In your presence. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.